thank you for singing so well this morning. Our pastor wishes you a wonderful morning today, and uh, he apologizes he couldn't be here with us. Uh, he is off preaching in Lompoc this morning. They asked him to come and to be a blessing to their church and to their staff, and so uh, he's with them this morning, but he was thinking about you this morning, praying for you, and, uh, and so... Uh, we miss him, and if, again, this is your first time, I'd like to encourage you to be back next week, and uh, you want to make sure that uh, you get to meet him and to hear him as well. I, I hope this last week was a blessing to you. I hope that you had a wonderful week, and uh, that you got to see the Lord advancing his mission in your life, even over the course of this last week. And uh, my wife and I had the privilege uh, last week to refresh ourselves and get away and uh, take a little trip together. But as fate would have it, you know how sometimes when things go wrong, they just come in like a tidal wave. And it's never like a a ripple, but all sorts of things are always happening all together uh, whenever things tend to go wrong. And even on a trip, that kind of seemed to be what happened to us over the course of this last week. And uh, there were just things upon things that kind of went wrong from our favorite stroller getting damaged by the airline to fingers getting smashed to things getting stolen and all kinds of things happening like that. And, and, And my wife said something to me, something that I hear all the time. Uh, She said, well, the devil must be trying to stop whatever it is the Lord is trying to do with us. And and I I think that is a true saying. But it kind of got me thinking about that. And I realized something about that saying. I realized that the devil, while he does want to stop what God is trying to do, he doesn't really know what God is trying to do. You realize the devil is not this all-knowing, powerful being like our God. He knows as much of what God is trying to do with you as you know what God is trying to do with you. And, and so sometimes he doesn't even know what he's trying to stop, yet he is maybe trying to stop it. But what he does know is this. He knows exactly how to stop God's mission from advancing. He knows exactly what to do to bring the advancement of God's purposes and God's kingdom and God's mission to a screeching halt in the life of you, in my life, and in the life of our church. Well, how does he know that? Well, because the Bible actually tells us very clearly how the advancement of God's kingdom stopped. It's actually found in Mark chapter number 6. Mark 6 is where we'll be at this morning. And up until the point of where we're reading in Mark chapter number 6, Jesus has been spreading the good news of the gospel. Jesus has been going around fulfilling his mission that he has received from his father to proclaim to all of Israel what God is doing in their midst. And Jesus is going from village to city to town, even to the backside of the country, proclaiming the good news that the Messiah has come that God is here in their midst doing something in them, bringing redemption to his people. And Jesus, as you could probably say it, is advancing God's kingdom. Jesus is advancing the mission that God has given to him. And can I tell you, if anyone would be effective at accomplishing their mission, it probably would be Jesus. <laughs> oh, we have a similar mission. Jesus gives us the Great Commission, a, a mission to advance the proclamation of the gospel to the edge of the globe. Well, Jesus was doing something similar. If one of us had a better shot of succeeding, it probably would be Jesus. Jesus is 
God himself. Jesus is our almighty, all-powerful Lord come in the flesh. And if Jesus has been given a mission, you bet nobody would be more effective to sharing that good news, to advancing the mission that God has given him than Jesus himself. Yet, as we'll see in Mark chapter number 6, while certainly no man, no angel, or any other being, for that matter, has the power to stop God's power, there is something, maybe even something that you possess or I possess, that can bring the mission of God to a stop. Look with me in Mark 6, verse number 1. The Bible tells us, And he, speaking of Jesus, went out from thence and came into his own country. I think it would be reasonable to assume that this would be Nazareth. Jesus was often said, even though he was kind of like me, I was a military brat, and so it was hard for me to answer the question, where are you from? I I was born in Maryland, but we lived there for like six months, so it's hard for me to say I'm from Maryland, and then we moved to Florida, and then Texas, and we moved all around, and Jesus was kind of similar. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he also went to Egypt, and he's also from Nazareth, kind of from a handful of places, but where it was often said that Jesus was from was Nazareth, a small town there in the center of Galilee, the northern portion of Israel. And so I think it's reasonable to conclude that where Jesus is now entering in is, is Nazareth, or at least somewhere very close by. And the Bible says as he enters into his own country, and his disciples followed him, verse number two, and when the Sabbath day was come, and the Sabbath was Saturday, and and for the Jewish people, this was their day of worship. Just as you and I today, we gather on Sunday, and this is our day of worship. In uh, in the days of the, uh, uh, the Old Testament and in the first century, People gathered on the Sabbath day, and they worshiped God on the Sabbath, and they would gather in local synagogues, or they would gather at the temple in Jerusalem, and they would have a service, very much like you and I have today. They would be preaching and singing a lot of the same things that we do in church, and they would have somebody speak. Well, the Bible tells us that on the Sabbath, the Bible says, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished. No surprise there. Some of us have been blown away by certain maybe messages we've heard. A very, a very well, uh, uh, a very good speaker might proclaim a message, and you say, "Wow, that was that was very eloquent. That was very good. That was so insightful and wise." Could you imagine hearing the author of the book himself proclaim the word? And and the people had the right response. They were astonished, as probably we would be as well, saying, "From whence hath this man these things? Where did he get that from?" How did he see that? You ever wondered that? Maybe someone in the preacher said, man, they see that. I've never seen that before. And what wisdom is this, which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary? The brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? Look at this next phrase. They were offended at him. They said, whoa, this message, oh, it was amazing. It was, I, they were astonished by it. It was full of wisdom, and it, it was so insightful, and, and it was accompanied by miracles, and, and this was a, just an amazing thing that they've witnessed. Saying, oh, we, we know this guy. He's from our town. His sister's right here. 
Who does he think he is? The Bible says that they were offended. The word offended means that they were they had a, a bad taste in their mouth to the point where they, they spit it out. You ever tasted something and oh, it was bitter and you gotta put the napkin over and hide it? That's that's kind of the picture of this word, offended. They oh, they didn't like it. They were offended. And the Bible says in verse number four, but Jesus said unto them, prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin, and in his own house. This is, this is just kind of a truism. <laughs> As you read the Bible, this is something that is just obviously the case. Even as God would send his prophets all throughout the Bible, maybe some would accept them, but many would reject. In fact, Jesus would say that Israel is a city which kills the prophets. They're rejected, maybe accepted by others, but those in their hometowns, those in their families, those in their own cities, they're rejected by. Verse number five. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk, healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Jesus was on this mission, going village to village, to city, to countryside, to all these places, offering them the good news of salvation that God had brought to them in their day. The day that Jews for over a thousand years have long awaited for him, was now finally at their hands. And the messenger is now here proclaiming to them the salvation that God has brought. And they reject it. And the Bible says that because of this, Jesus could do no mighty work there. Why? Because of their unbelief. This year, as pastor spoke last week, we aim to advance God's purpose in our life and through our church. You want to know how to bring that to a screeching halt? Unbelief. Dear Lord, I pray, God, as we look at this passage, that you would help us to see the danger that unbelief presents. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to examine our own hearts and our lives. And Lord, if there be any wicked thing in us, any unbelief present, I pray, Lord, that you would manifest it to us. I pray that you would shed a spotlight on it to help us to see it for what it is and to cast it out, God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be people full of faith this year and so that you can come into our lives and our church and God effectively advance what you seek to do in this world and in our city. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, the hope of advancing God's purpose and in our church and in your life and in my life is really hopeless if we don't have faith. It's hopeless because faith is not an optional thing when it comes to dealing with the Lord. In fact, having faith is a requirement that God puts upon his people. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number six, a well-known verse that I'm sure many of you know, it says that, but without faith, 
it is impossible to please him, speaking of the Lord. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, faith is simply when we choose to rely on something. It's when we choose to entrust ourselves into something else or into someone else. And the Lord requires of his people, if if God is going to advance his work in us, it's going to require us to have faith. It's going to require us to entrust ourselves into him. It's going to require us to rely on him. As I said, my wife and I got to take a a trip this last week and, and we had to go on an airplane to get to our destination. And you know what I had to do? I had to entrust myself into that airplane to take me to a different destination. I had, I had to trust that the pilots knew what they were doing. The mechanics of that plane were sound. There were some times that that faith wavered a little bit as the turbulence kicked in and stuff. I, I don't know about you. I, I'm, I'm a little scared of heights. And so uh, sometimes it's a little shaky as that plane starts to rattle and things. But you know what? To get on the airplane, you, you have to rely on it. You have to, in other words, have faith that that airplane is going to do what it's designed to do. You're entrusting yourself into it. In in a similar way, the Lord is seeking to bring us somewhere. The the Lord is seeking to move us from one place to another, to advance his kingdom and his work and his mission in your life and in my life and and through our church. And that cannot happen apart from faith, which is why the undisputable enemy of the advancement of the church is unbelief. Because unbelief is simply what remains when faith is gone. Unbelief is what leaves us standing in the terminal, watching out the window as the plane takes off with all those brave enough to board it. Unbelief is what will leave our church shrinking, shriveling into a sickly corpse of what it used to be, watching as God brings other bodies of believers to new places as they seek to pursue him and glorify him. And we sit here and, and we'll wonder, well, why didn't he do that with us? Why was it that we, we were left behind? Why was it that, that we were stuck here and unable to advance where God desired to bring us? And the enemy, the, what will cause that to happen is unbelief. Right. It's, it's unbelief. And so this morning, we're going to take a, a a, a very simple look at this common adversary of the Christian, this adversary of the church. And we want to see if we have unbelief. We want to see what causes this unbelief and and what happens if we have it. I'd like to just point out a couple things to you this morning. I think this passage teaches us about unbelief and its ability to halt the advancement of the church. Unbelief comes when we fail to see Jesus for who he really is. You want to know why unbelief happens? You want to know what causes unbelief? When we don't see Jesus for who the scriptures reveal him to be. You ever wonder why these people rejected Jesus? It's surprising to me. Because if I didn't read that story to you, I think most of us, including myself, would have assumed Jesus would be like the hometown hero. If somebody comes famous in a town, especially a small town, somebody makes it to the Olympic team, somebody wins American Idol, something like that, like somebody becomes famous, 
you know what happens in that little town? They say, like, that's, that's their claim to fame. Uh, all of a sudden, they got their jerseys in all the stores. They got signs over all the streets. They're naming streets after them. You can probably think of some examples here in town, even in Bakersfield. That's typically what happens. Jesus is from this tiny little town of Nazareth, the, the backside of the country. No, even, even somebody will say, no good thing has come out of Nazareth. Jesus is the only good thing to come out of this little town. Wouldn't you just assume that these people would claim him? Wouldn't you just assume that if, if there was going to be any group of people that were going to say, yeah, that's our guy. Yes, that's us. Yep, yep, yep. I'm identifying with him. Wouldn't you assume that it would be the people from his hometown? Wouldn't you assume if anybody was going to be the ones or maybe, maybe a little uncertain about Jesus and maybe skeptical and they wanted to look and investigate, the people who grew up with him would probably be able to do that the best. They would have been able to see him for who he really was. They'd be able to see if he's a fraud. Just like some of your families might be able to see if you're genuine or you're a fraud. Why? Because they spend so much time with you. Wouldn't you assume that the people there with Jesus that grew up with him, his own families there, they would be the ones. Say that. He's the real deal. He's everything he claims to be. He's worthy of our faith. He's worthy of our trust. He's worthy for us to place our reliance on. Even if, maybe, even if you were new to town and you'd never seen Jesus before, they still had so much going for them. Obviously, they had heard of Jesus' ministry. It's not necessarily common for, you know, Sabbath day to come around and some random guy to just walk in and all of a sudden take the, take the microphone and start preaching. That's not exactly what happens. You kind of have to have a reputation to do that. Jesus had built a reputation as a speaker. The Bible already tells us in the book of Mark that, that the words of what Jesus had been preaching and the, 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 the proclamation of what he had been doing was being spread all over the country. To the north and the south and the east, and the west is an ocean, but maybe even to the west too, that all around people were hearing about what Jesus did. Certainly word had gotten back to Galilee. Certainly word had gotten back to Nazareth where he was from. People had heard about what Jesus was doing. They'd heard the rumors, but not only had they heard about it from others. I mean, they got to experience it firsthand. They got to actually hear the very words of the Messiah. They got to hear it for themselves. It wasn't just, just hearsay. It was, it was something that they could look at it, and I guarantee you this. Listen, every preacher has a flop every once in a while, okay? Even the best preachers, sometimes they, they lay an egg, all right? And it doesn't hatch, all right? Can I tell you this? Not Jesus. I guarantee you the sermon didn't disappoint. I guarantee you they heard it. Heard of them. Not even that. They, they even got to witness miracles. Now, yeah, the, the Bible does say in this verse number five that, you know, he could do no mighty work there. You know what it says? Except a couple things. He, he, he did get to hear, heal a few folks. I think that that actually happened at the beginning. Why? Because what did the people say? They're they're saying, where did this come from? Well, with with such wisdom that even such mighty works could come from his hands. 
They, they got to witness miracles. With their own eyes, they could see. I don't know what the sicknesses were. I, I don't know if it was a lame man being raised to walk for the first time. I don't know if it was a, a blind man like Bartimaeus who could see for the very first time. I don't know if it was a, a girl like Jairus' daughter who was raised from the dead. I don't know what the disease was. I don't know what the ailments were that plagued these people. But they did get to witness miracles. How many miracles would it take for you to be convinced of something? Uh, maybe one's a fluke. Uh, maybe that's a coincidence, okay? Two, three. I don't know about you. It wouldn't take me very many. And Jesus heals people and he speaks. There's, there's rumors of who he is. And yet with all of these factors, it should have been an indicator to him, to these people. Oh, there's, some, there's something special about this Jesus guy. There should have been lights going off on the dashboard saying, listen to what he is saying. And and the signs indicating that that what he proclaims is truthful. And and he probably should believe. We probably should follow him in faith. The end. With all of this going for them, they reject. Why? Why? Because they thought, He's just like me. He's one of us. Verse number three. It's not this the carpenter. I've worked alongside that guy before. He's not a preacher. He's a carpenter. The son of Mary. The brother of James and Joseph and of Judah. Oh, we know his brothers. Are not his sisters here with us? Surely they thought. There can't be anything special about, about him. We're from the same place. We, we worked on the same jobs together. We know each other's families. Like, we work close. He's one of us. There's not anything special about him. He's, he's mistaken. Can I tell you this? If, if, you, if you can't see who Jesus really is, there is no hope for God advancing his purpose in your life. Because if you can't see who Jesus is clearly, as the scriptures reveal him to be, you cannot have the faith that's needed for God to advance his mission in your life. You're not going to see his kingdom advanced in and through you because Jesus is so much more than a carpenter. He's so much more than just a son or a brother. He's even more than a teacher or a rabbi or a prophet. He's more than even a king. And if you read these opening chapters of the book of Mark, Mark shows us exactly who Jesus is. Jesus is not a regular man, but Jesus is in fact the son of God with the power even over the the, the demons of hell. That, That Jesus is the son of man with the ability to raise the dead from life. That Jesus is is the one with power, even over creation, able to calm a storm with but a word, that Jesus is God himself that was long foretold and prophesied, would come to his people and return to his temple. This was him. And if you don't understand who Jesus is, he can't advance his mission in your life. You can't have the faith needed if you can't see him for who he is. And if he really is all of those things, if he really is the son of God, 
If he really is Jehovah come down in the flesh to be with his people, he is completely worthy of my entire faith and commitment. It's because I can see who the Bible reveals him to be that makes me want him to advance his purpose in my life. It's it's because I can see who he really is that I can have confidence to faithfully submit to his leadership. Seeing Jesus as the Bible reveals him to be dispels unbelief. It removes the disbelief of my heart and it compels me to action. But when my heart is full of worry and my heart is full of doubts, unbelief, it's often a sign that I've not seen Jesus as the person that the Bible tells us he is. When I have the proper view of Jesus, I'm not afraid of the same things. When I have the proper view of Jesus, I'm not afraid to obey his leadership. When I can see who Jesus is, I understand that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. But people are often hindered from allowing God to advance his kingdom in you, his kingdom in me, because our hearts are sometimes full of unbelief. If you want to see who Jesus is, the place we must look is the scripture. Because the Bible is God's revelation of himself. But oftentimes what happens is people try to understand Jesus through the lens of what we think is right. And sometimes we see Jesus through the lens of our own problems that we face, our past experiences. And if we view who Jesus is, well, if he allowed this, then he must be like that. We view Jesus through any other lens than what the scriptures tell us that he is, we're not going to have the right view of him. We're not really going to understand who it is that we're following. And so as we're seeking to advance the church and advance the glory of God through our lives this year, and even on an individual level, we must remember who it is that we're following. So can I encourage you, if Jesus is exhorting you, if Jesus is prompting you through the leading, his Holy Spirit to do something, he is worthy of your faithful fellowship. He's worthy of that. And if we want to advance God's kingdom, we have to see him for who he truly is. And if we fail to do this, we only serve to halt the advancement of God's kingdom through us. It comes to a stop right there. It comes to a stop. But not only do we have to see who Jesus is, one thing that I notice is, If we don't have faith, the only other option is unbelief. Do you realize there there is this strange dichotomy here where there's only two options on the table. There's either faith and everything else is unbelief. In other words, there's no neutral ground. You know what's interesting is we look at the story of what these people tell us. I find it so interesting what they actually said. Because look at the first half in verse number two. The Bible tells us, and when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him, what were they? 
astonished. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Not only were they astonished, but the Bible says that they began to say, we taught this man these things. He found it amazing. It was mind-blowing even. And what wisdom is this that has been given to him? He said, this is, this is it's, it's, it's what? They didn't say it was corrupt. They didn't say it was false. They said it was wise. They said, where did this wisdom come from? It's beyond what we would expect from a carpenter. It's beyond what we would expect from a person like this that we've known, that we've grown up with. They were blown away by the miracles that he did. And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? And if we stopped right there, you might think that they actually believed on him. Why? Yes, you you realize how many positive things they actually said about him? They didn't just start rebelling against them, and they didn't just start, hey, railing accusations. They started with compliments. They started with affirming the things that he said and did. They said, these are wise things that he has said. These are good things that he has done. They said good things about him. To me, it doesn't seem to me, that they were actually against Jesus. It seems like they just weren't really for him. They didn't say what he was doing was wrong. They didn't, they didn't say this is, this is against God. They didn't say this is of Satan, as other people would do. They didn't drive him out of the city, as other people would do. They didn't bring him to court with accusations, as other cities would do they affirmed the truth of what he said and the goodness of that which he did. They just had excuses for why it didn't really apply to them. They just had some reasons why. I mean, those those are always things. But listen, 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 listen. He's, look, he's one of us, okay? Like, I don't really need to, I, I know him. I know him, okay? We have an understanding. They had some reason why it didn't really apply to them. But they weren't necessarily against him. They weren't, for him. There are these people who agree and agree with everything that he says and then follow it with, but, yeah, that's true, and yeah, those are good things, but, I mean, the, the teachings were spectacular and the miracles were miraculous, but it's not really for me because fill in the blank. But you know what? Jesus looks at this and he calls it unbelief. He says, that is unbelief. Because anything but faith is unbelief. You might think that you're just standing on neutral ground. I'm I'm not against what God is trying to do in the church. Oh, man, yeah, I'm even for it. I think it's great. It's just not really for me. Like, I I mean, I get that that's what God wants us to do. But like, and and, and you know, hey, if you want to do that, that's, that's great. I, for me though, that doesn't, that doesn't really apply as much. You know what that is? That's unbelief. That is, there is no neutral ground. It's either faith or it's unbelief. It's one or it's the other. And if we want God to advance, 
his mission through us. And, and if we want God to advance his mission and his plan in your specific life and in, in your circumstance, you have to decide to be not just in agreement with what he says. We have to decide to side with it. You have to decide to say, no, 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 I'm going to entrust myself into that. I'm going to rely on that. I'm going to be in full support. I'm going to be on that team. I'm going to get into the game. I'm going to commit myself to this thing. Everything else is just unbelief. Sitting on the sidelines doesn't make you a part of the team. That means you're in unbelief. Because what faith does is faith compels us to movement. Faith compels us to action. And some of us can, we, we agree with all the things that pastor's been saying. We agree with the, the vision to, to reach the world in Zambia and Bakersfield. And, and we agree with all the things. We, we affirm it as true. But we're also content to just sit by and not allow it to make us do anything. I'd just like to tell you guys, that's the enemy of the church. You know why? Because that's unbelief. That is unbelief. And the Bible says that the church is not just individuals. The church is a body. The church needs everybody on the same mission. The church needs everybody to be full of faith so that we can advance to where God desires to bring us. And that's not going to happen when there's people sitting in the seats. And, and I don't know who I'm speaking about this morning, but I'm just telling you, look in your own life and say, do I really believe the things that I'm affirming? Because if you do, how, what have you done in response to that? Has it, has it made you think any different? Has it made you view people different? Has it made the way you love your spouse look different? Has it made you different? Because if it hasn't, you may not have as much faith as you think you do. Because there's only two sides of the coin here. It's faith or it's unbelief. We're not going to advance anywhere this year unless all of us are on the same page. And our only option is faith. To be all in. To be on the team. And so we have to see who Jesus is. We, we, can't, be, we can't be teetering on the line in the neutral zone. It's one side or the other. But But... Also, the cause of Jesus, we got to realize this, the cause of Jesus and the advancement of his mission and the advancement of his church and the proclamation of his message, all of these things, they are going to advance whether they're advanced in your life or not. You realize God has a miraculous, intricate plan that he's working in our world. And he doesn't put it on pause for you. So I'm just not ready yet. He's not putting it on pause for you. It's going to keep advancing. It, it, it's going to keep moving. It's a mystery to me why God would love us in the first place. It's a mystery to me why God is so patient with us. You ever wondered that? Like, why does God even love people? I oftentimes don't even love people. And I certainly don't know everything that they've ever done. But yet the omniscient God who knows everything about us, yet he tenderly loves us and offers himself to lowly humanity. That Jesus, the all-powerful God, he enters into our reality to purchase 
my freedom and yours. To pick up the broken pieces of our life and mold it into something beautiful, into a wonderful tapestry together. And that's a wonder to me. It's a mystery why God would do that. But what's even more of a mystery is why somebody would reject that. Why somebody would resist that. Oh, I wish somebody would say, I, I, I don't want that. And resist the advancement of God's work in them. It's interesting to think that Jesus even went to Nazareth at all. I just said Jesus is omniscient. He knows everything. Do you realize Jesus knew he was going to go home? He was going to see that kid he played kickball with growing up. Maybe they didn't have kickballs back then. He was going to see all these people that he knew, all of his childhood friends. He knew they were going to reject him. He knew his sisters were going to be there. They were going to reject him. It hurts when somebody you don't know rejects you. How much more are the people that are closest to you? Jesus knew that he was going to go home and see all these people that he knew and these people that he loved and that they would reject him. And yet he still went there. He still allowed them to choose him and to choose everything that he could do in their lives or they could choose to reject it. And can I say this? Jesus is willing to advance his work in your life. And he is willing to advance his mission in the lives of whoever would have the faith to welcome it. And so maybe you're here today and you don't even know Jesus. I'd like to encourage you that Jesus has prepared a gift for you. A gift full of forgiveness and one of a new life that's found in him. A gift that can only be received through faith. A gift that you could accept today. Or maybe you're a believer in here. And you know the Lord. And you know who he is. But you're one of the Christians who has resisted because of unbelief, the advancement of what he's trying to do in your life. And you felt his prompting, but you're just not sure if it's, you just can't do it. Unbelief. And you've resisted. And you're the Christian who has not yet submitted to his working in your life. Frozen in fear and unbelief. Regardless of what you bring to the table, Jesus wants to advance his kingdom in you. Jesus wants to advance his purpose in your life. Jesus has a plan that involves you and he invites you into that, but you have to have the faith to follow his leading. And so whatever it is that the Lord is directing you towards, whatever decision that the Lord is prompting you to make, whatever thing that you've been putting off, whatever thing that you've been postponing, whatever it is that he's calling you to surrender, but yet you've been holding on to, you have to have the faith to say, Lord, I'm going to surrender it to you. I know who you are and you're worthy of my faith. It means I can trust you with whatever it is that you call me to do. And whatever it is that you ask from me, Lord, I can trust you with that. And I'll surrender to that. Because with or without you, it's going to be advanced. And and, and the ship's going to keep moving. It's going to keep going forward. Look at verse number six. The Bible says in verse number six, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And you know what he did? He ran around about the other villages, teaching. I don't want to be a part of God's work. 
I, 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 I don't want to be a part of advancing the church. I, I, don't, want, I don't want him to advance anything. I'm happy with where I'm at. He will find somebody else that will. He'll find somebody else. He'll use a different church. He'll use a different Christian. He'll use a different parent. God will find somebody else to do what it is that he needs to be done. God is not putting a pause on his plans to wait for you to get on board with what he's trying to accomplish. So can I just encourage you to don't waste your time doubting. Don't waste your time just putting it off, waiting to give in, waiting to make the decision. Waiting to surrender. Jesus has already proved himself trustworthy. He's already proved himself worthy of your faith. And if we don't have that faith, I encourage you. What you should do is you should open up the word of God and say, Lord, show me who you are. Help my unbelief. Help me to see you. Open up the Gospels and say, Lord, show me who you are. Build in me the faith that I need to follow you as you seek to advance your kingdom in me. See Jesus for who he is. Look to him and believe him. And when you see it, believe it. Believe him when he says that he'll use the weak things to confound the mighty. Believe him when he says that he can use the poor and the weak, believe him when he says that he will graciously welcome every sinner who will fall down at his feet. Believe him and decide to partner together with him to make him known to all the world. Lord, we're so grateful 